and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. Tonight's guest is Joe Wolfkale. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing great, Anthony. Great to see you. Well, good to see you too. It's been a while, and thanks for joining us tonight. You and I were just talking as we were reacquainting ourselves with each other. You had a bunch of travel planned in 2020. How'd that work out? <laughs> well, uh, you know, we we pretty much got one out of our six trips in okay. for the year, so it didn't work out very well, Anthony, yeah. at all. I mean, we were hoping to get around uh, really around North America and it just didn't work out well. Yeah, so hopefully you'll have a chance to to revisit some of those. What was the one or two destinations that you're most looking forward to that maybe you have to put off now into the future? Anything you can speak of? Yeah, I mean, for sure we were very excited about going to Alaska. Okay. So and and uh, I've visited 48 out of the 50 states and Alaska and Hawaii are the two I haven't visited. Oh, really? So we were okay. really excited just to see the beauty of Alaska. So really bummed out about that. Well, hopefully sometime soon you can get there and get to Hawaii too. So check, that, off, check all the boxes. Should, should get, we got to check them off. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty impressive that you've done 48. You're about 40 ahead of me, I think. So good work. <laughs> well, my background helped me get to a lot of those states. Sure, sure. Well, that's a great little segue into the first question we talk about on this podcast, Joe. As you know, this is called the Asher Marketing Podcast, but it's really just about different professionals and their career path and their organizations and the projects that they're working on. And you've got a number of different interesting stories to tell. Where I'd like to start is to hear a little bit about your career path, because you just founded a company, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. But you've got sort of this twisting, turning path that led you into the radiology world. So let's start at whatever you consider the beginning to be. How did you get started on a career path, and what has that looked like over the years? Yeah, so... I I remember vividly, I was a junior in college down at uh, Indiana University. And uh, one of my professors said in, in the business school, said, you know, if you want to really get somewhere in life, you need to take your goals and write them on paper. Okay. And by writing those goals on paper, you're going to be able to forge your path because they're going to be able to watch and monitor. And, and you've, you wrote those down, so you have to meet those goals, right? You, ha- yeah. you have to sure. try to achieve those. So one of the goals I wrote down was I want to be very diversified in yeah. what I do in my career. Yeah. So uh, I started out in the heavy-duty manufacturing business okay. um, years ago now, All right. un- unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> well, and, and what did you study in school? So I, I studied, I went to the Kelly School of Business, yep. and I studied marketing. Okay. So I was a marketing major, yep. and uh, in, in my career path, I, I will admit, Anthony, I've not been in a marketing position yeah, in the sure. 30 years of my career yeah. thus far. Sure. Not sure. not in a true, I mean, every yeah. day I'm marketing. But, sure, sure. Yeah. So so what was that first job and, and where did you land and what kind of work were you doing? Yeah, I was here at a, a local company called Poly High Solider. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had never heard of the company. And, yeah. and when I, I was fortunate when I came out of school, the job market was booming. And mm-hmm. so I had six offers to choose from. And Pali High offered a really cool opportunity to be what they call a marketing trainee. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm a marketing major, a marketing trainee. Yeah. And so I jumped into that job and uh, very quickly, uh, I, I actually had a very unique stroke of luck hit me very quickly in that job. About six months into that job, one of the business units they had, it was called Quicksilver, mm-hmm. and it was a is a liner for a dump truck. Okay. And so... I had heard through the, you know, business happenings at Poly High that they were going to drop that business line. Hey, it's it's just not making it. We're we're not getting to where we want to go. So I went to the general manager of, of Poly High Solid organization and said, 
hey, I'm a young guy, I know you're gonna drop this, and it seems like there'd be no better training than to take a product that you wanna divest in, you're not spending much money on me, so let me see what I can do with it. Oh, wow. And uh, he looked at it and said, okay, huh. yeah, we'll do that. Huh. And so within a couple years, we turned that product that was only generating a couple hundred thousand dollars in revenue to millions of dollars in revenue oh, wow. and profitable revenue. So. Wow. It was really the start of my career, and that yeah. helped elevate my career path. So, so how long did it take you to, to turn that around, and, and what are some of the things you did that you think worked, even though it was kind of baptism by fire? Yeah, I mean, I, I had some really goofy things. I, I look back on it now, and they were really goofy things. But you know, number one, I it took me about two years to get it fully okay. turned around. And That's not bad, though. Yeah. It's not bad, yeah. And I, and I created uh, these success criteria. I called them success criteria, and, and we developed a distribution network. And so as part of that distribution network, I remember I had seven different success criteria that you had to meet. Okay to become a distributor and to become a successful distributor. And, and keep in mind, I'm 24 years old, yeah. so I really didn't know anything then. I was just yeah. kind of making this up on the fly. Sure, But it worked, yeah. it worked. And so several distributors came on board and they just grew uh, you know, very quickly. And then the second thing I did that I think really made a difference is as we grew, the organization allowed me to hire employees. And I was, I'd say pretty careful with the employees that we hired. I, I wanted to bring a, a, an all-star cast on. And I, yeah. I think back at that time, I look back on those five or six years that we grew that business and some of the most fond memories that I have, just great times and, and the employees that I hired were, are still friends of mine today. They're just great, great people. Oh, that's great. So you, you, at a very early age, got that experience of recruiting and retaining employees, which many people never get and most of us until later in life. So that's great. Right, right. It was exciting. It was yeah. fun. So, so, so where do you go from there? You sort of have this you know, great start to your career. You're running the show. And then, then what happens? Yeah, I, I decided it's, it's time to get a, a master's degree. Uh -huh. So I, I did a weekend program at Michigan State University. So for about a 20 months or so, every about every other weekend, uh, I'd go up to Michigan State and you know on Fridays and stay until Saturday nights okay. and uh, go through an MBA program. And so I did that on the weekends while working at Poly High Solider. Wow. And after about 10 years at Poly High Solider, they kept giving me additional sure. responsibilities, which was great. About 10 years into my career there, Poly High Solider was sold to a company, and I thought it was probably the right time to, to go spread my wings. And, and plus, at that time, my wife and I really wanted to go and see maybe a different part of the world. Well, it sure. ended up being a different part of Indiana, so we <laughs> moved to Indianapolis, okay. uh, Zionsville specifically, and, and right. I um, moved into a uh, another heavy-duty manufacturing company running their sales and marketing teams. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so at this point, I'm trying to catch up here. You're you're starting a family. You're going to grad school. You're working a full time job. How are you balancing all that at this point? Well, my wife would tell you probably not very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I did take my career very seriously. Yeah. So I I would if it required travel, I was the first to say, let me go and sure. let me figure this out and let me work with the customer and. So I spent a lot of time developing my career and okay. gone a lot yeah. and uh, really, in a way, burning myself out on sure. too much travel. So, sure. uh, But at the same time, my kids were pretty young then. Yeah. And so when they got old enough to the point where they're getting into athletics, I kind of sat there and said, I need to change things a little bit. So Yeah, yeah, something you kind of have to experience firsthand before you can learn to make the change. So Exactly. So I'm jumping ahead a bit. So you're in Indianapolis, another manufacturing company, 
what do you do from there and, and what's the next shift? Yeah, so it's funny. I, so when my wife and I got married, uh, we had, obviously, we had guests at the wedding. And, and one of the guests at the wedding was a gentleman named Dr. Rausch. And uh-huh. He was a, okay. a local physician here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, yeah. a radiologist. And uh, I remember I was on the, on the uh, baseball fields with my son practicing baseball, and my cell phone rang. And I didn't recognize the number, but I answered it, and, and it was Dr. Rausch. And, uh, you know, through all the pleasantries, he came back and said, hey, we're really interested in bringing on a, a CEO for Fort Wayne Radiology here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Would you have any interest in that position? And, and after I got done laughing and said, you know, Dr. Rausch, come on, let's get real here. I'm a manufacturing guy. I yeah. don't know a thing about healthcare. Yeah. I'm going to do you a favor right now and tell you no thank you. And uh, Dr. Rush wouldn't take no for an answer. So huh. he, he ended up calling me back a couple weeks later and said, hey, out of respect for me, would you please come up here and, <laughs> and we can have breakfast and we can at least talk about the opportunity? Well, Anthony, what am I going to tell him? No. I mean, yeah, yeah. sure. So I, so I had to come up here and, and talk to him. And so he presented the opportunity to me at, at uh, Bob Evans. In fact, I remember we sat down and again, after we get through the pleasantries, he looks at me and he says, Joe, I, I, I got to tell you. If I were you, I would never take this job. <laughs> Not much of a sales pitch. Not yeah. much of a sales pitch. But I think, you know, he's a really, really smart guy. And I think he was throwing down a challenge to me to say, yeah. you want a challenge, you better take this job. And so. So, so what do you think? No, no disrespect, but what do you think they saw in you? Because at this point, you're a pretty young guy. You don't have any background in healthcare or, for that matter, radiology. What do you think they saw in you that made them say, let's, let's give Joe a shot at this? Yeah, I think. You know, again, uh, being lucky in my career. Mm-hmm. So they, he had kept track of my career yep. and saw that in the various positions that I've had, I grew very quickly to middle or upper level management positions. So by the time I was 30 years old, I was in upper level management yep. positions. So yep. when he saw that and said, hey, we've got a group of radiologists here. And, and at the time they had 16 radiologists. Yeah. And they knew they were going to grow rapidly. Yep. They were associated with Parkview Health, and Parkview Health at that time was in the mode of how are we going to grow. Yeah. And so they said, we needed a leader to come in here that can manage that growth and take us to the next level. So I think just through that, he thought, let's at least just give Joe a shot. And, and, and yeah. he's a seems to be a pretty decent guy and yeah. seems to have a decent head on his shoulder. So it was just a flyer, I think, in his part to reach huh. out to me. Just dumb luck again where... The worlds came together. Yeah, and you ended up being there how long? Ten years. Yeah, ten years. So, and that's where you and I first met. And you know, I'll, I'll say this, and obviously, I only share what you're comfortable sharing. But having worked in healthcare, I don't have nearly the healthcare background that you do. But having worked with physicians, they can be a tough group to work with. So, how did you manage that as sort of a, a young CEO coming into a world you're unfamiliar with, and all of a sudden you have 16 bosses, all of whom are wearing white coats? How did that go? <laughs> uh, you know, and that, that's a great point. I, re- I remember my first day there, I woke up and I, you know, started talking to myself, thinking, "What are you thinking? <laughs> like, you were in manufacturing, you were good at it, you had a lot of contacts, and you and you completely shift gears." <laughs> and in my mind, I'm going, "Well, remember, Joe, and as a junior in college, you wrote down you want to be diversified in your industry. So this yeah. is another industry. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful yeah. what you wish for. So I, so I went for it. So I was really nervous. I yeah. was really nervous. Yeah. And I, I, I had dealt with physicians." when I was sick. Like Mm -hmm. I never Mm -hmm. dealt with physicians in the business world. So I really didn't know what to expect. So 
when I jumped into the first day, I, I remember I, I showed up, we had a 7.30 meeting, and in that meeting there were a couple doctors and an administrator from Parkview, and I feel like 80% of that meeting were all acronyms, and I had <laughs> no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. And I'm just writing down the acronyms, and I, I had to have written down 30 to 40 wow. acronyms. Wow. And so after the meeting, I sat down with Dr. Roush and said, what do all these mean? Yeah. So I was really intimidated. It was really tough. Sure. But I will say the the radiologists, you know, they opened their world to me. They opened yeah. their hearts to me. And, and within a couple of months, we we meshed very, very well. Yeah. And it was it was almost magical. Like that first six to seven years at Fort Wayne Radiology, it was an incredible experience. And and what I loved about it is radiologists are incredible people. So they have to deal with understanding the whole world of medicine, right? Because they're looking at every part yep. of the body, yep. whether it's a, a, a bone or an organ or, or whatever they're sure. dealing with. They're, they have to know. So they're very, very smart people. So what was incredible about it is the knowledge I gained yeah. learning from them. Sure. So it was it was really, really awesome. It was a great experience. Yeah. So, so you're there for 10 years. You're, you're running the show again. Um, you know, you have some some ability to, to think big. Talk about what, what comes next after that and, and why that change occurs and where you go from there. Yeah, so I, I made the move. So so Parkview Health had been recruiting me for a couple of years, mm-hmm. not heavily, just, sure. hey, Joe, we'd love to have you on board. And and so in in working with Mike uh, Packnett and yep. Rick at Parkview, we sat down and, and just went through some things. And, you know, it became very interesting to me. It became exciting to get associated with with one of the top employers in the yeah. in the city of Fort sure. Wayne and the and the whole Northeast Indiana. Yeah. So it was really intriguing to me, and I thought, wow, I I feel like at Fort Wayne Radiology, I, you know, mastered my craft there. Mm-hmm. I was I was you know understood the business very well. I was making the right moves, and I felt like I did what I sold out to do there, which was to enhance the shareholder value for the yep. for the physician group. And I felt like I was there. Mm-hmm. So I needed that next challenge. So Parkview offered that next challenge. And it was uh, really, again, nerve wracking because I'm moving from private practice healthcare yeah. to public healthcare sure. in a very large organization sure. with 13,000 people. Yeah. And yeah. am I going to be just one of the numbers there or will I be able to fit into the executive leadership role that I was going to be, you know, put into? And yeah. so it was really just the challenge to say, let's do this. Let's, sure. let's see if we can make this happen. Sure. Sure. So then fast forward to last year, Right. You make another change, and let's let's talk about that. So, um, if if I remember the story from a few minutes ago, you're going to take a year off. You're going to travel. You're going to have a nice leisurely 2020, and then the world changes, and you decide to do something completely different. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the the whole goal. I, you know, I I'd, I'd worked nearly 30 years in the corporate world, and I was getting burnt. I was like, this yeah. is this is a this is just a lot. Of, you know, I, I need a little bit of a break. So, and how old are your kids at this point? How are your kids now? So my kids now are uh, 23. Okay. Uh, soon to be 20 in a week. Yep. And uh, thirteen. Okay, so so you've, you're growing them up, and you're kind of watching the world fly by. That's right. Yeah. And so I thought, let's take a year off. Let's yeah. have the sabbatical year. Let's let's travel. Let's let's have some fun, and we'll figure it out on the other yep. end. Yep. Yep. Well, it didn't work out that way. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So so I figured out pretty quickly without the travel and what we were going to do, I was going to be pretty bored. So mm-hmm. I had to figure out something to do, and and I'd always had this dream 
always had a dream to start my own business. Again, if I go back to my junior year in college, I had a goal on there, start your own business. Okay. And so I thought, it's time to do that. Yeah. And so I reached out to a friend of mine who we had a business idea four or five years ago, and I had done a little bit more development on it, reached out to him and said, hey, what, you know, what do you think if we take this from a hobby and, and make a business out of it? And he thought, you know, if you're not working and you have the ability to work full time, I think it's a great idea to, uh, to let's give it a shot. It's yeah. a great idea to, to do this. So that's when the new business started. All right. So talk about, let's switch gears a little bit. And I want to dive into this deep because this is really intriguing to me. Tell us what your business is, what you're planning to do, and, and what the inspiration for that was. Yeah, so our business is called Xylem. So, okay. and it's spelled X-I-L-L-U-M, kind of a weird name. All right. Does that have any have any origin, have any precedent, or where does it come from? Uh, well, the the uh, URL was available. Yeah, the dot com was available. The right, com good was start. Available, so that was a good start. <laughs> yeah. But uh, really, it's all about illumination. So I L L U M is for illumination. Uh, yeah. And as we paired things that might mm -hmm. work for the internet. Yeah. X I L. Yeah. X I L U M worked out great. Okay. And xylem.com or xylem was born. All right. So the, the business itself is a healthcare data analytics business. So okay. when, when I was at Fort Wayne Radiology for 10 years at Parkview Health, as I looked at the landscape of data analytics, there's a real problem. A real problem in just in healthcare in general in taking data, disparate data sources, combining those data sources, and finding insights within those data sources. So at Fort Wayne Radiology, we were able to do some of that work. Yep. And so we thought, why don't we take the learnings that we've had over the last 15 years and create a software package that allows us to pull data sources together okay. and build this you know, unified data set that can bring, hopefully, significant sure. value to the user. So a couple questions. Why does that challenge exist? In other words, why is healthcare at large not better at making sense of that data in your opinion? Yeah, I think a couple things. Number one, I think healthcare companies are so concerned with the clinical side of healthcare, mm -hmm. which is exactly where they should be, sure. right? Priorities so are in the right order. How, yeah. do, how do we become excellent at you know developing clinical care for yep. our patient? Uh, and, and you look at things that have happened over the past. Now, we can look at COVID-19 recently to yeah. say, okay, how do we capture and manage COVID-19 to not create a huge panic sure. within the community? Sure. So they're focused on the clinical side of data, yep. right? But not focused on the business side of data mm -hmm. just because they're so focused on the clinical sure. side of, sure. of data. So as soon as you get focused in healthcare on the business side, something clinical pulls you right back yep. into the clinical side of data. Sure. And so largely it's ignored. And so clearly, if, if, if you were to go into any private practice mm -hmm. or public healthcare system, you would see a disconnect between the various data sources and the insights coming from that data source. And is some of that because healthcare is generally fragmented? You know, you go to see your primary care doc for a checkup, he might refer you to someone, but that person has, you know, one objective to solve a particular problem. Does that play into it at all? The fact that it can be a little fragmented and we have specialists for different things, but rarely do those entities have the opportunity to talk to each other? That's a great example. Mm -hmm. That's a great example. And if you think about that from your own personal health record, yeah. that's why they've started to create these personal health records, which is now capturing that clinical data and allowing you, Anthony Giuliani, to go into, let's say, an Epic MyChart yep. to look at your personal health record where you may have eight different physicians yep. within that health record. So they're capturing it on a clinical data side. 
maybe not necessarily necessarily capturing the insights on the business side. Sure, sure. So tell me a little bit then, and, and I want to hear a lot more about this, but tell me a little bit about who your customer is then. Who is it that you're seeking to serve and what and what other problems are you trying to solve for them? Yeah, so currently we are focused on private practice healthcare. Yep. So a couple reasons why, right? So private practice healthcare, big issue within there. A lot of private practices are pretty leanly lean staffed, so mm-hmm. they're not gonna have a ton of staff members, yep. right? So, and this takes a very unique skill set. So those staff members they have, most likely they don't have that skill set. So we think we can bring a tremendous amount of value to these private practice health uh, health clinics without a huge cost, right? So we can we can bring these insights to you. So the software we're developing to do that is translatable to each and every healthcare customer that we are targeting, right? Sure. Because you don't have to customize it per client because healthcare data is healthcare data. It just happens to be you as a patient, yep. me as a patient, your listener as a patient. Yeah, so, so a couple questions there too. What's the ROI for someone who invests in the software? In other words, where are they seeing the payoff in terms of using your service, using your software, and, and, and what's like the timetable for them achieving that payoff? Yeah, so, you know, we're new. We're, yeah. we're a young company. Yeah. Uh, you know, we really, we incorporated in September of 2020. Yeah. So yeah. very new. So we're, we're spinning up our first clients right now. Yep. And so what we think, this is what we think, you're going to see a payback very quickly. So we think it's under one year mm-hmm. where you're investing in the software, but you're getting a payback through. So I'll just give you an example. So take a radiology practice. Mm-hmm. So a radiology practice that's looking at 300,000 studies a year. Yep. So they're associated with a hospital, and so they're reading the CTs, the MRIs, the, the X-rays, yep. ma- mammograms. So they're looking at 300,000 studies a year. And then that radiology group, after they read that study and they, they dictate a final report, right? So you get an, uh, a record now that shows your final report, but they want to get paid for that, right? Yep. So a copy of that goes to their billing company. And most radiology companies are outsourced billing. Yep. Well, outsourced billing companies, well, they, they won't readily admit this, but I did have one tell me recently, we're going to miss about 3 to 4% of your charges. Mm. So 3 to 4% of those studies that come through, we're going to miss. Mm. So take 300,000 studies, take 3% of that. Let's just call it 10,000 studies that you're yep. missing. And depending on your average reimbursement, that's a significant amount. Now, we're not saying we're going to find all 10,000 sure. of those. Sure. But I, I bet you we'll find 5,000 of those that, okay. that will more than offset the cost uh-huh. of the software all right. to do okay. so. So that's just one simple yeah. example. And then there's productivity uh operational measures that we're uh, pulling into the software that will bring additional value. So you've got your your potential customers, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say who my primary care doc is. I, I love him to death. He's awesome. But they're using paper and pencils. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're jotting down notes. How do you make sense of, uh, I'm assuming that's not typical, but you get a lot of different information um, in a lot of different forms. How, how are you making sense of that? Yeah, that is not going to be a target customer. Right, <laughs> we we definitely need that yeah. uh, physician to to be electronic. Sure. So paper and pencil becomes really really difficult, yeah. right? Because somebody has to transcribe that sure. into an electronic format. Sure. So yeah. our target customer are those co- yeah. those those physician groups, and I'd say probably ninety. 
eight percent of them are yeah. not paper and pencil. They're <laughs> yeah. all electronic. Well, that's probably good for all of us. That's good for all of us. So, um, are you looking just at the local area? You're looking broader than that in terms of geographic footprint. What's your plan in terms of uh, near term and long term for that geographic area that you're looking to serve? Yeah. So we have a very exciting business plan so we've got a group of investors backing us right now and we're going into our second round of investment here in the summer of 2021 and so our strategy is nationwide Mm -hmm. and so our first handful of customers are nationwide today so our first two clients that are going live with us uh in this month one is up in michigan okay and one is out in colorado all right so and we're picking what we call design partners because we want them to help us continue to tweak and build the software yeah so we're picking very specific clients in terms of this is the makeup of this client and we need to better understand how this client because what they're doing is applicable to these clients over here but we don't want to get all the same type of clients we want different unique clients for our first half dozen design partners to to help build the software so still willing to learn willing to adapt based on what you're finding out early on exactly yeah well that's great so um right now it's it's you you've got some investors there's a physician who's a partner in the business it, does that represent the entire organization? Do you have any other employees yet? And, and how are you getting the work done? Yeah, yeah. So we are working with a firm to do a lot of our software engineering. Yep. And it was probably the right move for us. Actually, uh, so Dr. Vias is one of our partners. Yep. And uh, Dr. Vias is just an incredibly talented individual. So he built the software to begin with. Okay. So All not right. only is he a full-time radiologist, Jeez. he's also a, an incredible <laughs> Uh, engineered, yeah. computer wow. engineers. Wow. So he built the software to begin with. So we have taken his software and we're working with outside an outside okay. firm to to build that software to make it HIPAA compliant, yep. to build the backend systems to make sure it's secure. So right now, it's the three of us that are in the business with our, our engineering firm. Uh, but actually, we're going to be posting our first three positions here in the next month and a half or, or, or so. Okay. And if you don't mind me asking, what, what are those positions? What are you looking to, to grow first in terms of an employee base? Yeah, so we're going to bring on software engineers and data analysts. Okay. So those are going to be our first position. So we're going to yep. we're looking for a senior software engineer, yep. uh, somebody that's going to be able to come in and, and really be a part of our you know, our initial yeah. leadership team. Sure. And then next up will be a data analyst that can start to take all the data that we're collecting in this and start to help us develop insights for that data. And then third will be another uh, software engineer. Okay. And then hopefully by the end of this year, if all goes as well, and, and we build out about a, a eight to 10 clients, yeah. and then we'll bring on some sales resources at the end of this year and, and really put the pedal to the metal. All right. So with a client base that's going to be all over the place, are you, and with a work environment that in many cases has gone fully virtual, do you see those folks being housed here? Can they come from anywhere? What's what's your model as far as how you're going to bring all the talent that the organization together? Yeah. Uh, so I feel like you've been in our meetings. We, we've been struggling with this question <laughs> yeah, from day yeah, one. Yeah. And, and we've gone back and forth. Sure. And, and, I, and I think what we want to do for the first key hires is to bring them in-house yeah. and, and have an office here in, in Fort Wayne and really develop that talent so that we can sit together and develop the software together. Yeah. And eventually, I think, you know, the, we won't be inhibited by the four walls. We, sure. can, we can go a little bit more virtual. But you got to build a culture somewhere, and we do. you know, as a former CEO, I, I know you appreciate that as well as anyone. That there is something to be said for those intangibles of That's right. people being able to at least work collaboratively one way or the other. 
So, you know, we call this the Asher Marketing Podcast, even though it's a little more broad than that. Right now, you're wearing not just many hats, but every hat. So how is the, the marketing and sales getting done? What do you see that looking like? What are some of the challenges? What are some of the things that you feel you're well-equipped to do based on your background? Probably not much. Probably not well equipped for much. Uh, but you know, we're we're struggling through this. So the sales side is is where I have a lot of experience. Yeah. And the advantage to our business today is I was in radiology for ten years, and we're yep. focused on radiology groups mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. So I have a tremendous amount of contacts throughout yeah. the country. Yeah. So it makes that part a little bit easier. Sure. On the marketing side, that's a different story. So we're not real sure exactly where to turn in on that. So I'll give you an example. We know that we have to become active on the social media side. Yep. We don't know how. Yeah. So we're going to figure that out. And, and you know, I know my background's a, a degree in marketing yeah. at IU. It doesn't matter. I didn't. I haven't experienced any of that over my career. Sure. Sure. So we're going to need help doing yeah. doing things like that. Yeah. Well, and and you know, it's a very different audience you're trying to reach. It um, is. You know, you're not trying to reach the general consumer on the street. It's a very very finite audience of decision makers who are extremely busy and hard to reach at that point. I would assume. Yeah. And 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 so Anthony, one of the things I'm doing right now is LinkedIn. Yep. And uh, we're not, we're doing more personal connections on yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah. And uh, and and again, one of my partners is a radiologist, so he has connections on yep. the radiology side as well. And yeah. we're not so so the one advantage we have today, which is going to become a disadvantage down the road, is we're looking to be very, uh, I guess, very thoughtful on yeah. who we're bringing on board as customers yep. today. Yeah. But eventually, we're going to want to put the pedal to the metal. Yeah. And that's where we're going to have the real challenge. How do you get to that physician yeah. that's sit, sitting in the dark room reading, reading films yeah. and get their attention to give yourself an opportunity? Yeah. And really, LinkedIn works better when you do have that relationship and you can just leverage it a little bit more through the virtual where it has some challenges as well. You're trying to connect with people who don't yet know you. That's correct. So, yeah. yeah so that's a not a not a uh, don't envy that problem, but it's it's solvable. It's just a huge challenge. Um, so so what else is on your mind as you look at the future of of, uh, of the business? What, what are some of the challenges you're grappling with? What are some of the things that are exciting to you? What, what do you see when you look at the future? Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've had plenty of sleepless nights the last, yeah. you know, eight months just thinking about the business. It, you know, some days I wake up and, you know, worry. I yeah. worry a lot sure. and, and struggle with a little anxiety saying, can you make this happen? Mm-hmm. And, and my my go-to is get outside, go for a, a three, four, five-mile run. Yep. And by the time I get back, I'm ready to take on the world. Yep. Yeah. So I've, I've realized that doing a lot of exercise has helped me you know, mentally become sharper on how to manage this business. So yeah, I totally agree with that. If I can't figure something out, I can figure out how to get one foot in front of the other. And maybe that's the only problem I solved that day, but it's still a problem solved. So, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's, we're, we're really excited about the prospects. You know, I, I think a lot about our investors Yeah. and, you know, I, I want to be the guy that they look at and say, I took a chance on that guy and, and man, what a, what a, great chance that was because we just nailed it. Yeah. And so I'm very concerned with how we develop a strategy that's going to be successful. So that's that's what I think about a lot is yeah. how are we going to drive a strategy that ends up being successful and and so my everyday challenges are thinking about things like that. Yeah. Is there anybody else that you know who's a competitor in this space? Is there anyone else doing this and if so, how do you differentiate yourself from those other players? Yeah, there are there there are competitors within yeah. this field, and um, 
So we, we're bringing something a little bit different than the competitors. So we're trying to bring our own secret sauce in yep. the software that we're building. Yep. So we're building these crazy unique algorithms yep. that are running some machine learning yep. uh, through AWS SageMaker. And, you know, so we're trying to differentiate ourselves that way. But and, and not that we don't think our customers do a good job on customer service, but one of our differentiating points and and. Dr. Vias and Dr. Byer and I are all on the same page here. Is we want to we want to hit a home run as as when it comes to customer service. So yep. we are very focused on how to build a that internal culture yep. that's a culture of service for our customers. Yep. And so that goes back to another question you asked earlier: Where are you going to have these people located? Yeah. Yeah. And we think the additional employees have to be with us so that we can build that culture because yeah. we want to be so focused on providing superior service. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's critical today, especially you know for an audience that that is pretty demanding. I would imagine they're gonna they're gonna expect world-class service so um, if you're ahead of the curve on delivering it that's a, definitely a feather in your cap for sure we hope it can be a differentiator and and we hope that will be you know we think our software and the package and the knowledge that we're going to bring to the user is going to be excellent but we hope the service then has them saying it's excellent and we're not going to let any other competitors yeah. in the door because well it comes down to trust it's, it's do they yes. trust you with you know, to, to help them grow their business and to make sense of their data. That's that's a that's an admirable thing to pursue. Well, Joe, I'm going to turn to what we call the speed round of the program, where I ask you a few questions that are like the stuff we've talked about, but a little bit different, just to kind of synthesize what what we've discussed so far. The first one, and, and you've had a really fascinating career, has to do with career paths and success in a career. If you were talking to someone, maybe it's one of your kids, maybe it's someone just getting started in their career, maybe it's someone who's making a career change like the one you're making, maybe it's someone who has an interest in entrepreneurship, what's your one best piece of career advice? So, and I, and I have told my kids this, my, my son just started a job at Ernst & Young up yeah. in Chicago, here in Fort Wayne actually, but he'll soon yeah. be up in Chicago. Sure. And it is about that one simple word, diversification. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether that's being diversified in your skill set, don't become a one-trick pony. Yep. You know, if you're in marketing, if you're in finance, whatever it may be, go out there and explore the different areas within that. Yeah. But not don't don't just simply diversify your skill set. Diversify your industrial background. So mm -hmm. don't get pegged into one industry. Yeah. Become diverse in your in your industries, and it just opens the door. I know as an as an employer and yeah. as a as somebody that has hired a lot of people, my goal is to find those people that have those real world experiences yeah. that are not that one trick pony yeah. and can bring a tremendous amount of value to my organization. So yeah. diversification. Yeah, that's great advice. So as far as you know, the, the next question about your organization, I'm sure you're having the opportunity to practice this quite a bit, but if somebody stopped you on the street and said, you know, you got two minutes, you got a minute, tell me everything that I need to know about your organization and why I should take more interest in it, what would you say? Whew, yeah, I have. I have thought very easy question that. to ask. Not an easy question to answer. Not that's why I'm on this question. side of the table. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, way to put me on the spot. Yeah, yeah. So that's our little elevator speech. Yeah. So you know, really, our goal is to bring, com you know, compelling data closer to the user. Okay. So if you if you think about from a physician's perspective, a physician is so focused on the clinical operations side. Yeah. And physicians, unfortunately, they're not trained much on the business side. Mm -hmm. So they tend to ignore that side of the the. Yep. the practice. Yeah. And so if we can bring that data to them in an easy to use, understandable format, 
it brings a tremendous amount of value to their business because most physician practices are owned by the physicians. Yep. And you should know about the value of your practice based on the business you own. Yeah. So that'd be the simplest way I can do it, is taking those insights and bringing them closer to the user. All right, so so present it not as another draw on their time, but actually a time-saving mechanism in the long run that's easy to use. And very convenient for them on, yeah. their, on their smartphone, and they can look at it at 10 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock in the morning. It's yeah. always going to be available for them. All right, that's great. Well, and the, and the last question, you know, I, I, I very much admire the fact that you've taken a risk at a time when people are very risk averse. You know, there's a lot of people who are, you know, sort of, of pulling the reins in more tightly in 2020 and 2021 because of all the changes in the economy and, and all the, 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 you know, pessimism that's out there. But you've made what is ultimately an optimistic move saying this dream I've always had, this thing I've always wanted to do, I'm finally going to do it and take the opportunity to do it. So, you know, for the folks who might be struggling with, you know, making similar types of decisions or just, you know, challenged in general with today's environment, how can you um, share, what can you share in terms of optimism, in terms of perspective on why people maybe should have a better look at at the the months to come and the years to come? Yeah, I had a, a friend of mine many years ago, we were having coffee and uh, she looked at me and, and just gave me this quote that's and I and I've looked it up and, and it's an unknown author so I'm not sure yeah. who, who said the quote but is I would rather live a life of failure than a life of regret huh. yeah and so that kind of stuck with me and it, as as I looked at what was happening last year and kind of my my life goals and where I wanted to go I sat there and said okay pandemic's not gonna last forever yeah right life's gonna move on and that quote just kept hitting me. I'd rather live a life of failure than a life of regret. And yeah. as I said earlier, a dream of mine was to start my own business. Yeah. So I decided to take that quote very seriously and say, you know what, let's give it a shot. And if yeah. I failed, I'll look back on this and say, man, gosh, there were a ton of learnings from that. And I'll yeah. be a better person, I'll be a better leader, I'll be a better business person for going through that experience. Yeah. But if I'm successful, then that just means the world to me. So yeah. I just looked at it and said, let's let's just give it a chance. Yeah. You know, what do you have to lose? Because I don't want to sit back, you know, 30 years from now and say, what if? Yeah. I should have. What if? And I would have those regrets. Yeah, that's great advice. Maybe it's the best time ever to take some chances. So. I think so. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Well, Joe, as always, it's a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for sharing your story with us. And thanks for uh, letting us know a little bit about your new endeavor. And good luck as you move forward. Thank you, Anthony. It's my, been my pleasure. I've enjoyed it very much. And we'll keep you posted. All right. Sounds good. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another great guest. And we hope to have you on board then. Thank you. Thank you.